If you weren't here last week, um, then you will be able to catch up if you wanted to on uh, the podcast um, on our website or on kind of Apple Music or um, if you've got uh, those sorts of platforms, then you'll be able to. But essentially, we, we started, um, some, I suppose, a series of two weeks just for talking simply about worship based around the epiphany story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 23, the entire chapter which we read through. And so I won't go too much over that, but, you know, essentially, I suppose, talked about worshipping first, that essentially our call and purpose have been drawn by the Spirit of God to, to pursue and worship Jesus, that in Matthew chapter 2, there was the, the Magi who were following the star to find uh, the, the, the birth of Jesus, the, the baby Jesus, the Christ child, to be able to worship him. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And, um, uh, and so that's what we were uh, focusing on last week around really the, the thoughts or concept, concepts or images that, that essentially life can often be really quite cluttered um, in lots of different ways, be it maybe practically or emotionally or physically. Um, we, there can be lots of clutter in our lives. And actually, perhaps sometimes we really, um, if you're anything like me, sometimes I overcomplicate even my faith uh, in, in lots of different ways. And, and actually, I think simplicity isn't easy um, because particularly perhaps by way of illustration in our homes, uh, again, easy for us to kind of store things. I remember that the few, my wife, and I, we've, uh, in, in the time that we've, that we've been together, um, we're, we're only in our fifth year of marriage, I think, or coming up to, isn't it? And uh, I think we must have moved about six different uh, times in different um, houses and whatnot, in different places, and, and in each time, slightly collected more stuff. And, uh, you, you, you know, you kind of put things away in cupboards, and you try and sort through the cupboards, and, and so you're blooming, heck, where's all this come from? And, you, you know, and I would imagine as the years go on for all of us, that that is easier to do, and, uh, and, some, and then suddenly, wow, the clutter that's around us. And I wonder sometimes how we can complicate our faith. And we looked at a, a couple of characters in this story in Matthew chapter 2, and I wanted to look at a couple of others um, this morning as well that perhaps we either didn't uh, kind of complete or only made brief mention of. And so that's kind of the, the narrative or the flow that we'll continue with this morning. But I will refresh us of the story in Matthew chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to, to turn there if you wanted to follow. But I'll, I'll just read out Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, one of the characters we looked at last week. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everybody in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people, Israel." 
Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went, over, it went ahead of them and stopped over the, over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Not in part, but filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them, warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I think last week I was trying to draw our attention to the characters. Just as I read this, I'd like to draw our attention to the real, earthy, practical nature of this story, the meetings that was going on, the advice that was happening, the, you know, the, 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 the changes that were, that were made, the journeys that had to happen, the places and how they decided to go there. So in verse 13, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years older and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah. Weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said, take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel, because those who were trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. But when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son, Archelia, Archelaus, uh, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. A powerful story, orienting around the central figure of Jesus, a baby. Born in a time of conflict, born in a time of, of empire, as we mentioned last week with lots of fear and protecting of power and, and whatnot and influence that was going on, but essentially Jesus, born into the darkness to bring his light. Innocent, full of potential and purpose born into a family 
I wonder, in fact, in a moment we'll get to to Mary and perhaps some of the journey that she may well have been going through. But certainly as I reflect upon this week, the story of Jesus in this particular part of his life's journey, surrounded by his family, his mom and dad entrusted to care for him. But of course, as well as the angels appearing, giving guidance and advice, these miraculous thin spaces that occurred, these appearing of angels in dreams and whatnot that would have happened, which begs all sorts of questions for many different people and not the primary focus of this morning, but with the practical nature of the story, I was hoping to bring out perhaps some practical thoughts for us this morning in the full knowledge that there would be many that we could share and perhaps that God, even in that reading, will draw to our own attention. Him surrounded by these people that were to care nurture, guide his life. I'm always grateful for the wise friends, Christians, family that I've been fortunate to have in my own life, particularly as a new Christian at the time, having people that I really respected and looked up to and sought out to be able to spend time with. But even as someone who's been a Christian for quite some time in my own life, now seeking out those that I want to aspire to be more like, aspiring to be like Jesus, but when they carry something for me to want to be around them, to call, to reach out, to share my own story in full knowledge. And what is it, some of the things that I love about them is that I know they love me. I know that they have my best interests at heart. I know that they accept who I am, the good and the things that are still being restored uh, and need to be so. Perhaps that's the case for all of us. But certainly, I wonder at this point, imagine the, the clutter, the threat to life that was happening, the changing of locations. And perhaps for all of us, sometimes we need to take stock Well, who is it that I'm sharing my life with? Perhaps some of the hardest times in my own Christian journey is when those that I very much respect and give right of access to speak into my life is when they've had to speak very honest words that perhaps I've not liked. Not nasty, but yet for the best. One of the things that perhaps we all wrestle with is none of us like to say no and none of us like to hear no or not yet, or perhaps another way. And actually there can be those in our lives that we invite who perhaps won't always give us the advice that we want, but perhaps there's a way that helps us to become more like Jesus, to fulfill the potential, the purpose of God in our lives. We don't always see that because perhaps like babies, we're vulnerable inexperienced or whatnot, I don't know, for many, many different reasons. Or perhaps actually the truth is that it's not always the path of least resistance that brings the most growth. But the path of least resistance often the one that we might want to choose at times. 
And so I think within this story that firstly we learn that a Christian life is not going to be absent of pain or suffering or difficulties or conflict that we go through. Just because we may feel that we are worshipping God or being committed or dedicated doesn't mean it's not the only or main marker that while everything is going smoothly. Because at this point, the very early stages at the life of Jesus and perhaps at the very early stages of our faith can be really quite vulnerable. Perhaps at the early stages of the things that we start or embark upon it's really important. One of the things that we learned in recently, in the last year, we got a little puppy, a little cockapoo called Samson. Uh, slightly ironic name that we've given him, considering all he wants to do is kiss everybody. Um, and uh, not dangerous at all. But still, what we learn is from going training, which actually dog training is nothing to do with the dog. It's about training you as an adult, um, and, uh, which is quite amusing. But still, one of the things that we learned is that when we take him out and about, it's really good good, important for him at a young age to have healthy experiences in all the environments that he is. So in the introductions to other, um, uh, to other dogs, particularly for him to have uh, good experiences in those early years so that they don't affect him for the rest of his life. We can have a mixture of experiences in our faith and the context in which we find ourselves. Some perhaps more encouraging than others. And I think today, maybe it's an opportunity for us to take stock of the people that God has brought in our lives for us to be able to perhaps draw on that support certainly part of the role of a christian community a church part of the expression of the kingdom of god here on earth is for us to draw on one another's love compassion support the best for what to invest in one another that can happen in lots of different ways i suppose but there can be times where we can be in seasons of conflict where we can be quite desperate and rush around making lots of different decisions. And probably many of us know it's desperate people. We make desperate choices. And it's at those times where we're in the most difficulty that we need to try. There's been times in my life where I've said, I'm not going to make the decision on this. I'm going to share my thoughts even the decisions and choices I want to make, but I'm going to trust the people that I trust the most and say, I need your wisdom. And on this matter, I will follow it because they have the best in mind. And that's important for us to seek that out. And I think in this story, we see that particularly in the life of Jesus as a young, vulnerable child. But his life began in conflict, in violence. Perhaps there's times in our lives where we must seek out the reason for the conflict we're going through. Perhaps 
Well, is this the fact that we've made unwise choices? Is this something? I keep going through lots of different conflict for lo- in lots of different spaces with lots of different people. Well, where is the common denominator? <laughs> is that me? Or is it everybody else everywhere I go all the time? Perhaps there's times where we need to seek those things out. Hopefully, certainly our approach leadership-wise and church-wise is to create a space of belonging and give gentle yet honest and authentic leadership in that sense. I think gentleness is very important because actually I think it's a significant character of Christ and gentleness doesn't mean weakness, but actually truth and honesty is important. Whether or not we, of course, accept that is a different matter. But in this story, I think often the greatest victories come through the greatest suffering. Sometimes the suffering and pain that we go through isn't because we have done something wrong and it's not God putting punishment on our lives. There's consequences that we deal with. But in this story, this child... Jesus the Christ has done nothing wrong, perfectly pure and innocent. But yet there were those who were out to destroy his life. And there can be times in our lives where through no fault of our own, we're going through times of suffering. And perhaps in that there are times opportunity for growth maturity and developing and we have a choice of do we at that moment in time say I'm going to blame God or I'm going to blame everybody else or I'm going to say God where are you at this time help me follow your spirit if there are things that I can learn and grow from please you know, I've often reflected upon that scripture in Proverbs of, you know, to, to throw hot coals on, on those that perhaps are causing pain by being kind. And interesting, isn't it, that by being kind, hot coals is not punishment and protection and disdain or vengeance, but actually just by being kind for those that don't love us don't have our best interests in mind, they can be like hot coals. (laughs) Hard to do. But yet truth in that. Perhaps in this story as well, as we continue to reflect particularly upon Jesus, or of course as well, the Magi, that they were drawn to centrally worship him, to worship Jesus. That actually reminded, of course, in Matthew, when in the Gospels, seek first the kingdom of God, that Jesus is the central figure of our worship, that seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Central for me or seeking first is that of consistency, not being casual. I think there's something about being intentional and being consistent. That victory is not just a, a future focus. Oh, I'll overcome this in the future. I'll do this in the future. But actually, it's a faithfulness in the present. 
There's this artist um, uh, who I've mentioned once or twice, perhaps, if I remember rightly, called Charlie Mackesy, and he, 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 he's, he's done that, um, that arty book, um, the, the Horse, the Mole, the Fox, and the Boy, or something, and I'm, I'm kind of reflecting on that quite regularly and, and looking to, at some point, incorporate some of those. But there's one image, particularly, that, that he's done, which is this image of all these... Um, uh, a forest, really, and, and the, the boy and the horse and uh, uh, the fox and the mole are walking up to this forest. And the statement at this part of their journey is that, you know, when things get tough, focus on what's right in front of you. And sometimes there's just a forest in front of us. And to be able to, the victory of focusing on what's right in front of us. Not hankering or looking beyond there or frustrated with what we're not or what we don't have or what's yet to come. But actually, what has, given, what has God given us right here, right now? Sometimes we get lost in the woods ahead of us. But yet right in front of us, God has put some of the greatest gifts in our care. And perhaps within this story, can you imagine the stress and angst and anxiety that perhaps Mary and Joseph were going through? And as we come to Mary in a moment, but what God had given her right in front of her was this vulnerable child to rear and raise and care for, to focus on what is right there. In Romans chapter 8, verse 18, the Apostle Paul writes, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. We can be going through these things and yet focus on what is here and now, but yet still be able to be aware of what God is bringing also. So, What about Mary? Can you imagine in this story what Mary must have been going through? And I take a little bit of license on this to perhaps read into uh, perhaps some of her own journey and emotions. Of course, she she trusts and leans into God, but but also, can you imagine pregnancy, changing locations on a, a couple of times and you know listening to these words of the angels coming to her husband and saying right we're going to move place and well, hold on a minute I'm just about to I'm giving birth or we've just given birth and we're we're changing location to location and change can be really difficult for us all to manage loss grief is about change the things that we encounter on day to day, and that can be difficult for us all in lots of different ways. And I'd like to draw our attention actually to some words about Mary, not in Matthew 2, but in Luke chapter 2. Again, a story of the birth of Jesus. Now, I read some of this as far as to draw our attention to this, uh, particularly in chapter 2, verse 8 and onwards. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep suddenly an angel of the lord appeared among them and the radiance of the lord's of the glory of the lord surrounded them they were terrified but an angel reassured them don't be afraid he said 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Then these words... But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Later on in the story as well, in in verse well, in, in verse 41, it says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. This story where they went to the Passover festival and Jesus is there and then he disappears and keeps, uh, uh, you know, for, for, a, for, for a period of time and whatnot and they find him and his parents didn't know what to think and the son, his mother, said to him in verse 48, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you even need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. I was just really drawn to those words. That there are things that we go through at times that we don't speak of but we store them in our hearts. You know, often silence is better than speech. Being quick to listen, slow to speak. I was drawn to the fact that the watchful eyes of a mum, I very much do enjoy and like and um, am behind the, the support for women in this narrative and story, the fact that Mary was chosen, the Christ child to be born, important, very important. And, and yet often silence is better than speech. And we live in a world full of opinions, comments, and shares. Everyone freely wanting to continually just put their two pence in You only have to look at social networking for a moment. Goodness me, just get lost. Just, man, if I could turn off the comments. Sometimes with some friends or whatnot, I'll do this. Just taking the comment off my welcome forehead. It's just better to be people who listen rather than speak. In this story, you have these, of course, those that come and then they go and publicly share, but Mary stored this in her heart. The story of, of her son, the watchful eyes of a mum, what's going on in my child's life? I'm going to store it, pray into it for the things that we go through at this times. Do we share, don't we? But certainly the principle 
in this story, I think is about the heart. Store these things in your heart. It's quite a lot in the Bible about our hearts. Of course, we talk metaphorically, not physically, although to have a good physical condition heart is important. But this being metaphorical, there's lots of metaphorical language in the Bible, I think far more than often perhaps what we realize. But certainly in Proverbs 4, verse 23, perhaps, guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. What about this Psalm 51 where David, having been through all that he'd been through, the ups and downs in life, the successes and the failures through his own choices and desires, God, create in me a clean heart, oh God. There's times where we need to go to God and say, Lord, create in me a clean heart. But what about this Psalm 19 and verse 14? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Of course, what about in Matthew 5 where Jesus looks at actually even the things that we think about and consider that we look upon that actually in our hearts we can commit adultery. <sighs> Not just by doing but by holding, by looking in our hearts. What about Matthew as well? Of course where Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The desires of your heart. Again, whatever, in Matthew chapter 12, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Often we can check ourselves by how we're speaking about one another, by that which we're involved in. You know, how we speak about our brothers and sisters in God, how we speak about our work, our church, our friends, uh, the things that we're committed to, how we, sp- we can check ourselves. Whoa, whoa, hold on a minute. What's the condition of my heart? How am I guard your heart above all else? The words you speak come from the condition of our hearts. And actually, of course, within all of that, it's that which defiles us that there's something about the Spirit of God which essentially is transforming from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's why I think actually with the things that God challenges us on and convicts us on isn't one for all. It's why I think actually churches should be the most gracious and spacious places where people can come and be themselves and yet on a journey of growth and development that will be different for each and every one of us. That can be difficult at times, hey, for for everyone I know. That recognizing that we ourselves are not perfect, but it is the Spirit of God who convicts. So I think this morning, essentially, what am I saying? That our worship simply worship through the difficulties, through the conflicts, through the trials of life, that our worship is centered on Jesus. That in those times where we're feeling rocky and unsure, where we're thinking somebody's after us and work's not going to plan and it seems a really challenging and trialing time, that perhaps we look upon ourselves and say, have I made some questionable decisions here? 
Do I need to listen to the helpful, healthy, wise voices that I'm inviting in my life? Perhaps there's even a question within us of saying, am I inviting those voices? Or am I, do I just not want to? Maybe there's some exploring to do for people there, but certainly for us within that journey to say, what I'm going to do is center my worship on Jesus. We've probably heard it said before that everybody worships. It's not a question of do we worship. It's what we're worshiping, who we're worshiping. And so for us to worship Jesus. But also perhaps this morning I'm saying this, that our worship starts in our hearts by the guarding of our hearts, by the reflecting in our hearts of saying, where am I at? And actually, I think within that, our heart worship then directs our lives. And actually, it's not about being at the final destination, but it's certainly about being on the right trajectory. And sometimes that will be full of ups and downs. But there's times where we check and say, well, where where am I going to be in a year? three years, five years, who am I becoming? What's a healthy trajectory for my life? Even amongst the confusion, the conflict and change, what are you storing in your heart? I think that Mary was storing all the things that people were saying of the greatness of her son. Even amongst the complications of teaching at such a young age and I'm in those environments and things that and she's going I'm just watching and I'm storing that greatness store that in your heart the good things because we all know the bad things are easier to hold on to us so if we can take some time to faithfully focus on the good things here and now rather than the worry of what's ahead maybe we ask ourselves this question or a few of these questions Are we distracted by anything in particular at the moment that is clutter? Is there anything that we can reflect on and say, man, this is a distraction. It's holding my mind and attention and preventing me from being the person I want to be, doing the things I want to do. Are we distracted? In what areas can we move from perhaps being casual to consistent? casual, ad hoc, in what areas of our lives? Perhaps there's been something that God's been placing in our hearts and we've just been putting off. Perhaps there's something that God's wooing us towards and we're saying, ah, on on occasion, at times, but no, not consistently, I, I can't do that. In what is God inviting and calling out faithfulness in us for the present victories? In what areas or ways is God inviting and calling out faithfulness in us in the present for those victories? As we reflect, what is the condition? of our hearts.